Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, property magician. So welcome to episode 86 um, of the Property Magicians podcast. My name is Vanille Makwakwa and I am your host for the show. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income and live their best lives. And mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn under Vangile Makwakwa. Find me on Facebook under Wealthy Money. With me is my beautiful co-host. Well, my beautiful co-host, welcome back. This is, it's episode 86. Can't believe it. (laughs) I'm Dr. Miranda, Prop Doc Mom on Facebook. My page is Prop Doc Mom. And I'm Dr. Miranda underscore Prop Doc Mom on Insta and on Twitter. I am a property mentor for beginners. I teach um, people who are curious and fearful about property investing to get to build their property investment into a business and start buying properties for cash flow so mm-hmm. i am so happy to be here today and we've got one investor totally funny investor that we just met two weeks ago with with vangile and he is a gem he is an yeah. absolute gem right he really is so guys we have lumisani kwagaza for you guys today and as Mizo said, we met him at a property seminar, mm-hmm. which, wow, so great to attend these seminars because you meet people who think like this. Mm-hmm. And he has come on here and he's talking to us about his property investing journey. But mm-hmm. more than anything, I think what we got in this podcast that is very different, guys, is Someone who is loved by the banks, that banks finance 100%. Oh. <laughs> and he told us how he gets it right. In this podcast, he really shares like what you can do to get your credit score up so that you can get bank financing. Again, things that I think we don't sit around the, day, the dinner table just talking about. Talking this, about you know? them. Mm. And I like how um, he didn't have a particular uh, strategy, but because he's an accountant and he knows how to deal, analyze, did you see that his portfolio is a mixed portfolio, Mm. like from farm to apartments to homes to multi-lets, single family homes, like really, but because he knows his, his, his way around the numbers. That Mm. works, that's his strategy, that works, but he also shares openly about what could have made him a better investor. So you, you're mm-hmm. going to learn some of that and take take out of it whatever you take, but he really, really shares very generously. Yeah. Yes, he does. So this is quite awesome, guys. Um, can't wait for you guys to hear him. So let's get started. Sure. Hi, Lumis Honey. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Vangile. Hi, Lumisani. Thank you for saying yes to this interview. Can't wait to hear your story. Thanks, thank, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. 
Okay. So, Lungisani, we met you at a property event with Lebukang Levite, and he is one of our podcast guests. Yes. Episode 40 something. 40. <laughs> Yeah, 44. Like, I want to say that, but guys, go look him up. And Lungisani came up to me, and on that day, I was like, oh, what am, what am I doing surrounded by crowds? And he told, uh, he started telling me his very, very fascinating story. So, Lungisani, who are you? Please tell us, who are you? What do you do? And I thought the discussion was so informal. I didn't know I was telling you a fascinating story. <laughs> But but anyway, <laughs> my name is Lungisani. My middle name is Zamogu Chetrakaza. Actually, I'm originally coming from KZN and now based in Gauteng in Johannesburg. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, as we know that, as you know that we all come here trying to dig for a little bit of a gold. <laughs> here in Have you found it? <laughs> still digging, still digging. That's a good one. Still digging. Uh, hopefully one day one will find we'll find it. <laughs> We hope. Yes. <laughs> we all hope so. <laughs> so what do you do? What is your profession? How did you come to property investing? Well, uh, I'm more of an accountant. I'm from the accounting background. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm into management as well. Mm. Uh, property, uh, because I, I'm, I'm more of a savvy person. So I knew from the beginning that um, the best investment would be to invest in a tangible mm. something that you'll see and touch and feel. Okay. okay. So because you can put money in the bank with those uh, little interest rates, it don't take you anywhere. So then I realized that uh, investing into property would be one of the major decisions that one would take or achieve because in the long term, uh, as, the appreciate, as, as the property, we all know that it appreciates. You okay. invest into it and then uh, somewhere down the line, you will have some value, some money because uh, it, it is the best investment that beats inflation more than oh. any other. Yes. More oh, than any other thing you can think of. So that's where the idea came about. That, okay, let me start gradually to invest in property some years back, of course. Okay. So does it mean that when you even bought your first property, you already knew that you are property investing or were you just buying a roof over your head? <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one. Initially, I was just buying a roof over my head. Yeah. But, but I knew that uh, even, even then, that, uh, but it's still an investment, the big, biggest investment that one could ever have, even that. That was, uh, if I can give you some details, my first one was not so long ago, 2002, that was my first one, but it was nearly okay. a roof over my head. Then as okay. the years went by, yes. I realized that one can make money by putting together a portfolio over the years. Okay. Uh, because as we grow, and as, as we grow, one day we'll, we'll retire. So if you retire with a reasonable portfolio, then that will be best retirement plan more yeah. than any other. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm listening to Nizar mm. today. Like as you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> 
I didn't get to, I, I didn't get what she was saying. <laughs> no, she was saying it's like I'm listening to Mizo. Mizo is Dr. Miranda. So oh, I yes. call Mizo like she's uh, she's Dr. Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> That's her nickname for, that her friends gave her that she told us to call her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so so Lunisani, when are you already knew that there is a lucrative um this is a lucrative asset class to invest in. So you were not invested heavily into these retirement annuities and trusting that your retirement, uh, your pension contribution is going to create your pension. That's very interesting. Is that how it was for you? Yes, not not heavily. You, you said it very well. You said not heavily. Yes, of course. So, so you'll put something small and say there, there and there in bits and pieces. But I, 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 like, I like what you say. You said not heavily on those because mm. the best, as I said, investment, which appreciates in value almost every year, is the property. And you can see it, you can feel it, you can touch it. Mm. Oh, she, he says it with such passion. Why were you not in my circle so that I can drink red wine with people like yourselves? retirement annuity. Hey guys, let's please let's not go there. Like the thing is that we didn't know. So Lungisani, just out of interest, because I am very, very interested. How yeah. did you know as a black man? Because yeah. it's not like this country is out here telling us that <laughs> retirement annuities are not the way. How did you know that mm, mm-hmm. this is not the path I'm going to do property? What yeah. gave you that insight from the get-go? Very interest- interesting question. Let me make, if I'm allowed to, an example of the situation in Zimbabwe then, where people, I'm told, some of them that I know, they invested their pensions when they're still working. And then the economy crashed. So they had nothing, if not negative, if you want. Those that survived in Zimbabwe are those that invested in property because they could still see it and feel it and touch it. But those that had their pensions, as you know, there's, there's a big influx into, uh, for, 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 um, for, for people, such people in, here in South Africa. So those that still had something are those that left their houses, invest in their houses. In Zimbabwe, I'm just looking an example that um, uh, property is, is the only thing that you can feel and touch because anything else will be beaten by inflation. Mm. And inflation, it will even go, it may even go into a negative. It, your money, your, your funds, they, 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 they collapse until you can even go into a negative, not just zero. Mm. So... People can, even during this COVID, if I may make an, an, another example. Mm, mm, so mm. The, the funds, a lot of funds collapsed because of uh, this uh, COVID from last year already. They are only picking up now only a few months uh, mm. back. Yeah. Had those yeah. funds been invested in property, for example, mm. uh, they will not have collapsed. Mm. Mm. I hope, I, I hope I'm answering. I'm, I hope no, I'm answering. Yeah. <laughs> I never um, made the connection with the Zimbabwe. That is, mm. that is so fascinating. It is. Mm. It is. Mm. So, Lungisani, are you telling me then that when you bought your first property, was there an emotion attached to it? Were you nervous? Were you anxious? Or were you absolutely sure that I'm making the right decision here? 
I was so anxious and happy. I was oh, very, very sure. That's such a good answer, though. That's such yeah. a good answer because all those emotions can exist in one place, right? Mm. Yes. And but, I think it's quite a normal. Um, it's. I feel like this is actually one of the most honest answers to that. Is isn't that it? You can be mm. all of those things at the yes. same time. <laughs> at the same time, exactly. Mm. And exactly. Mm. Mm. And was it? Was it a dif- difficult financial process getting financed for that first property? It wasn't. Actually, then I even got more than 100%, so to say. Ah. I, I even got, uh, I'll tell you, listen to me. I even got the, 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 the finance for the fees. <laughs> From <laughs> conveyors fees, For conveyors fees and so on there. It was 2002. So I mean, <laughs> that's why I'm saying more than 100%. 100% for the property and a little bit more to pay the fees. So I never paid a cent from my pocket, if you want to know. How does that even happen? Tell me about it. I was here in 2002, 18 years think, ago. No, they don't do it anymore. But that, that, uh, during those years, they, they, they will do it if you, if you want it. What? Do it, yeah. mm, I'm telling you. So how did that happen? Explain to us, how how would the bank put it? How would they say you are getting this with the transfer cost? No, it was an option. You They gave you option. It, it was not compulsory. If if you had costs, I mean, you would, uh, obviously, because what, if you if you apply for more, then the, more money means more, more loan means more interest. So so it's fine with that. Because the, 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 the value of, the, I mean, the price of property was not, if you think of it now, was so minimal. But at that point, you wouldn't think of it like that, you see, way back. Yeah. Because, for example, the properties that cost two times that property that I bought, I thought it was exorbitant fees and all these things. But if you think of it now, we realize it was almost close to nothing <laughs> if you compare it with today. <laughs> If you if you don't mind sharing, what sort of a property was it? Was it a cluster home? Was it a, an apartment? Was it a freehold, freestanding house? It was a townhouse. It was a townhouse. Mm-hmm. There. Yeah, it is. Wow. It's still there, by the way. It's still there, by the way. If you want, you know, <laughs> it's rented out. Wow, ah, you are still earning from it, unlike the shares. Eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, was it? I like so you bought it to live in. Yeah, yes. So then how do you get to the next property? How do you go, okay, I see that, okay, things are not, retirement annuities are not going, are not working out because this was also the time I I remember in the early 2000s, this is when Mm. Zimbabwe was really going through the most, you know? So then how do you go to the next property, the second property? How did you finance that? And how did you make the decision to buy the second one? Well, we, 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 we still believe in the OPMs, other people's money, even then. Okay. <laughs> even then. But that was coupled with the tongue, if I can use that word, of the, of, of the agents as well. You see, mm. the agents will come with the project, sell you this idea. But if you already have that in your mind anyway, then uh, you try to. Uh, but I think the mistake that I did then was not to negotiate. I think some of the, there are properties then that I bought without even viewing them. 
well, that's not so much of a crime, but I think the crime in quotes was that uh, I never negotiated, used the opportunity to negotiate the mm. prices then to make sure that I buy them below market value. That's the, one of the mistakes that I, I made. Mm. So talk to us about buying those properties. So how did you then decide? So did an agent approach you for the second property and the third property? Yes, yes, yes. They're, and they're all financed by the bank as well. Hundred oh, percent. Wow. Yeah, wow. the banks loved you, hey. Hey, yeah. I no. open. I didn't get that. Vanilla says the banks liked you then. Oh, liked me, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe they, mm. maybe they, maybe they still do. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know what, really and truly when the banks like, they have their people, Mizo, like, I swear to God. (laughs) I'm not sure about this. Okay. Sorry, were you in the banking, um, were you in the banking sector, maybe that made it favorable for you or you just knew how to negotiate that? Because for a listener that's listening right now, um, who's struggling with financing their second and third property, they need to understand, no, this is the reason why it, it was easy. It was the sign of the times. 2002 was a beautiful time. Even 2005, it was a beautiful time. What made it easy at that time? What do you think it was? I was not working in the bank, but I've always been a financial person working with figures and so on, but not necessarily okay. the bank. But let me answer your question directly. Mm. I I was handling my finances so well. Okay. Um, Yes, credit scoring and all these things. I think that's where the main secret is. I remember, Mm. for example, I was so sad uh, one of the years then when the bank said, we're taking uh, one of my credit cards, we're taking back our our credit limit because you are not using your credit card. They did. <laughs> I, ref- I think I managed to refuse somehow. I, I don't think they did, but uh, <laughs> that's how best I was trying to, in- to 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 handle my finances. I see. So yes. you were very you were very astute with how you handled your affairs. That is that is very important, right? Mm, yes. Because that is <clears throat> real, hey. Yeah. Yeah. So can yeah. you? Actually, before we go even further, because a lot of our listeners struggle with this, what are some tips that you have for people to increase yeah. their credit? Just like give us three Nice tips. question. This is what you guys can do. You know you're going to approach the bank for financing. This is how you get your credit score under control. Yeah, let me answer that question. It's an interesting question because on the other hand, um, you don't. You are not seen to be credit worthy if you don't have any credit at all, or if you don't use the facilities. Um, one one of my one of my disciplines was that um, I would um, use the credit card, for example, but make sure that I also put money into it. I use my own money and. <laughs> Use it like kind of as a bank as a bank account. You do you, you don't rely on the too much on the um the credit limit from the bank. Mm. You see, which means it's a question of a discipline, if I can put it that way. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, some of our people <clears throat> you give them the limit 
and then they scratch the head and say, how can I finish this limit? <laughs> they look for reasons. How can I? <laughs> Don't laugh. Listen. <laughs> like having been one of those people, man, I want to stand up. The reason why I don't have credit, why I don't want credit cards anymore. I want to just say, it doesn't happen. It's that life comes to us and helps us sometimes to finish the limit. <laughs> Some people think it's a crime to have an overdraft. It's not. You have the overdraft. It will help you, help you one day, but don't dream it and say, how can I wake up in the morning and use that overdraft? <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing at it, but it's, it's funny <laughs> serious. That, that's what people, most people do. You and are trying to touch us in our studios, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> But I like what you said, Lumisani. You credit put money into it. And then are you saying uh, people should get overdrafts, have an overdraft facility? Have, 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 have facilities as much as you can, but discipline yourself. Be disciplined, mm. you see. Because, because at some stage, we property investors, you find that you have a bank account there. People don't necessarily pay you exactly on the first. And you find that some debit orders for bonds run on the first. That's for that's where an overdraft helps you. For example, we are we are yeah. not using it deliberately, but uh, it's, the, the debit orders one bounce they go through because people have not paid. When people pay, it fills it fills in that gap. Then okay again. You see, I mean, it's the same process over and over again. Sometimes the 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 debit orders will go through when they've paid. I mean, it will vary vary from month to month. Yeah. If you can have those facilities, but don't abuse them. Okay. And then yes. what is the third point? I'm loving these, actually. Me too. Mm. Ah. What is the third thing that you would say um, um, helps your credit score or clean up your credit score? Your credit score? Well, the... Um, let me just say, it. If, if, if you happen to fall behind for whatever reason... Yeah. yeah. Don't ignore the calls from the banks. Oh. Cooperate, yeah. cooperate, yes. That's why I'm surprised. A while back, eh? Now I huh? know something, but hearing someone say that again, I see my past all over, and I realize why I was so, like my credit score was hit the way it was, and I had to rebuild it again to get property. But yeah, like what you're saying is so yeah. powerful. So you're saying take the calls and then what? Someone is saying, I take the calls, Lungisani, it's COVID. I take the bank calls. I don't have a job. They're going to stress me. Then what? No, listen to them. Arrange this to them. Those, those people from the banks that are trained, they listen carefully to people. Let me tell you one thing. The banks do not want to repossess properties. Let me repeat. The banks do not want to rip. They do it as a very last Resort because they lose. Yeah. yeah. They do not want. So they yeah. will beg you to pay. They will beg to arrange with you. I mean, uh, cooperate. Cooperate with them. Make, I mean, listen to them. Uh, 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 do whatever way you can. They ask you to do. They listen. Engage them. They, they, they listen, those people. <clears throat> okay. I think that's such an important thing. Um, we, we saw it through COVID, to be honest, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I guess I'm so scared of debt that I sat down to write emails 
you know, I made a day to write one, two, three. Who do I need to write to? One, two, three emails. Yeah. Uh, it's bedtime. I'm not paying. I'm going to come. They said when? I said, I don't know. You know, when you tell them you don't know, you're like, <laughs> I don't know. You mean you the know banks? They, yeah. Mm. And then when they came back and they're like, but you've paid for six months, half of the, and they offer you, they said, you want to pay one third or half? What can you afford? And then you say, and then when you have extra, you pay. And then now they come back in like, oh, you've managed to pay for six consecutive months. Do you want us to extend or are you good now? You know, they do, <laughs> they do. But when you are in fear, I mean, I can relate to the fear. I, I, I just, I don't know, because maybe you've never been in that situation. You, you can't, there's a lamp that sits here. You almost can't even hear them when they yeah. are offering, they are offering you, but you can't hear them. Like after I paid off my debts, so you don't know my full story. I was like $60,000 in debt. That's how I came to do this work. In 2014, I became debt-free. Since then, I'm like, I will never owe a person anything, a bank, anything. I don't want to hear it. Like the drama, I used to be those people, when the banks call you, I always share the story. The 087 numbers, when, when they would ring, and it's a private number. You never, ever see me answering those numbers, ever. <laughs> Everything will just go to voicemail. Because it was so stressful. It is stressful. So nothing as stressful as being in debt and not knowing how you're going to pay off that debt. I think you better know this issue. You better know what's happening and cooperate rather than not knowing because you may ignore a call and find that there is actually a debt that you never think you had and that you could do something about it, for example. Yeah. You see, I, following what you just said, I've heard most people saying that they change cell phone numbers almost monthly because they're running away from the... I've, oh heard the same, I've heard the same cell phone number thing from 1994 or something, or if not early 95. <laughs> The same cell phone. When you I'm don't have drama, dude, you can afford you to. You don't have drama. <laughs> I'm like not now, sure. <laughs> I got the cell phone awesome number when in 2012. Now it's yeah. fine because then I was starting to pay off the. But before then, changing numbers all the time. I come from far. <laughs> don't see me like this. I come from far. I know what debt is like. Yo. I don't think I don't think I'll ever change my number. Debt or no debt, I don't think. <laughs> Well, I think it's a hassle now having to update people. No, no, I've got the new number and all this. <laughs> what are we talking about? I also owed my friends and family. So better yet, you don't know my number. <laughs> I owed everyone. <laughs> I wonder how we came out of that. <laughs> no, me, because by acknowledging. You know how to get me. Perfect, because I probably owed you money. That's why you were calling me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but you get out of debt by acknowledging debt. Yeah. Actually, that yes. is like the best thing. When you actually, yes. when you write it down and you can see it on paper, you're like, mm -hmm. I, I am in SHIT here. Yeah? yeah, all mm. right. And then when you start calling the first person, that's exactly <clears throat> how it works, really. But Lunisani, that's such an important thing to bring up because yeah. most of us, yeah. And for instance, things like telecom. Um, Mbangide knows my drama with City of Johannesburg. 
I seem to be over, I feel bullied by the city all the time. But, you know, I get frustrated, frustrated, but eventually I go and sit on those benches and go and say, guys, it's not true that I owe you this money. And mm. each time, I'm telling you, I've had the same drama since 2016. Every year, Mina, I'm at Tebe House. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't owe you this much, guys. My house is not as big as this debt. It doesn't, mm. it doesn't follow, mm. and it can't be. And yeah. always, they will cut one third, and it's like, okay, Sisige, pay this one. Have you? How much have you got? Pay here or some city of Jobek frustrates me like to no end. I'm even you selling know. my house because of city of Jobek. I can't deal. I don't want to deal with that city. You'll have to educate me. You'll have to educate me on that one. Do they cut just because they're complaining? Yes, you have to go there. Ah, you have to go there. You have mm. to face them like this. And when they look at my face, I'm like me. I'm never. I'm, I'm never in that house. Never. No because I, what I know, the, the main thing that they check, they check whether the charges are estimates or actuals. Once they say actuals, then they won't listen to you. <laughs> when you say it's actuals, on the on the invoice. <laughs> no, no, it's like measles bills. She goes, she pays it, and every year they send her the same bill. Same, the same thing. Um, right now, it's seventeen thousand to nineteen thousand. They love it. They just wake up. You know that I've never switched on my underfloor heating at my house for over seven years because I am so Accumulative accumulative, or as one? They uh, just come uh, up. No, it will be two months and they'll save 19,000. Like single-faced house. And just bill her the same amount as the year before. That is just extra. It sounds strange. It sounds strange. So yeah, I it's a good thing that she goes there. So okay, yeah. this is so great. I I know that our listeners have gotten some value from the credit score because it keeps yeah. coming up, right? Yeah. It uh, is an uh. important factor when it comes to home loans. So I wanted to ask you, so when you got to your second home, walk us through <clears> what was your thinking process? You why didn't you go look at it? What was going on? Were you coming from that? Because we know a lot of our people come from this background. Property, I hear this even till this day with people who listen to this podcast. You can never go wrong with property. Uh, is it true? Uh, <laughs> somebody. What's <laughs> your mindset when you were like, I'm just buying the properties without seeing them? Because, you know, you can never go wrong with property. It's yes and no. There's somebody, I'm, I'm not going to mention his name now. He says, uh, no, it's this phrase that says you can never go wrong with property is not true because you, as long as we are educated in the, <laughs> in the property. But, but but some of us who have done different types of businesses as well, you, you can weigh the options that at the end of the day, even if you make a mistake on the property, yeah. Mm you still cannot go wrong in that sense because you run a business, a certain business, you don't have customers, you have got to pay rent, you have got to pay salaries and all these things. Mm, mm. The money keeps on the pitch. The money keeps on going down the pitch mm. all the time. Whereas with property, even if you lose, you might you lose minimally because as, as you can lose on the cash flow. Mostly on the property, you can lose mostly on the cash flow Maybe go negative than that, but the property is still there, and you can console yourself by saying that it, it, in any case, at the end of the day, it, it, it will appreciate. Yeah. 
So in that sense, compared to the other types of other businesses that you can think of, mm. where, where they do, don't make money, you've got to fund it from your credit cards, fund it from your friends and all these things. I see. So the property is not like that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah we see. like that. Okay, mm. so even so if you go wrong... Property, it is, it's trying to address that. I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Issues. Yeah. 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 So that's that's such an important thing to say, Lumisani, to say you can't go wrong as long as you are educated. You can't go wrong if the cash flow is not flowing, but if you've bought right, at least there is still some appreciation that's happening on that property. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. You can sell out and take that money out of the. There's the, always an exit strategy. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Mm. We've got right. an exit strategy there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, Unlike when you've bought a wrong share and it plummets, it plummets. Maybe exactly. Up, but or if that company goes bust, then you are bust now. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. That's exactly okay. my point. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. So, and while you are buying these properties, do you already have a strategy, Oguti? Mina, I'm buying two-bedroomed apartments or and I am buying in a structure, in a company, or where you just haphazard initially. How did that happen? <laughs> not, have, not haphazard per se, because uh, uh, my, my portfolio is mixed. There's a block okay. of flats, there's uh, townhouses, apartments, and standalone uh, uh, properties. Okay. Okay. Uh, some of which are multi-led, some are yeah. single. One of them, for example, they run it as a BNB, uh, whoever the tenant is. Oh, they nice. run it as a BNB. So it's one of them, and they're paying, the, the, the rent is good there, you see. Yeah. If you didn't yeah. have a bond, or getting good money out of it, but it's still bonded. But uh, but the rent is good. <laughs> I'm just awesome. making an example. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So you were not, you didn't have a one single strategy. You were just buying as the opportunity comes. I didn't have a fixed uh, strategy. Yeah, I didn't have a fixed strategy uh, in mind. Um, yeah. Because even if you, one of the properties, for example, we are netting negatively. As you increase the rental, because that's one of the strategies, as you increase the rental 10%, 5%, whatever the case is, annually, then in a few years, two, three years, then you are on, on the positive, then you'll always be on the positive because we will, will always increase the rent in every few years, whatever the case is. You can't go back. You can only go forward. Okay. I would argue that that depends on where you are buying, right? On where you are buying. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, some people that we we talk to, we know that they're taking six, seven years to cash flow, to, uh, mm. to get to cash flow positive or even longer. So yeah. I think it depends on how you're buying and your pricing strategy. So were you looking at, the, I guess as an accountant, we get a lot of accountants on the show. I don't know. Why. Yeah, we do, hey? how, uh, <laughs> were you looking at the numbers? Were you doing your deal analysis? Yes, yes, yes. Actually, actually, to close that gap that we are talking about, that's why it's advisable to, from the beginning, buy below market value so that what happens is what we say, you make money from day one. Buy below yeah. market value, you are making money from day one, and then you know that you've, you've, you've got an equity already. 
So, Lungisani, um, when you buy, so for you, was it always buying for cash flow or appreciation or mixed? What, 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 what made you decide on each one of those properties that you own? I knew that question was coming. Was coming. <laughs> <laughs> that means you are very prepared for it. <laughs> how do I, how do I, actually it's always better to buy for both but depending as Vangile just said on the that will depend on the area some areas will only give you cash flow yeah some some areas will only give you appreciation and you probably break even on the rental or even net negatively but you know that once you sell you you'll make you'll get that money back but it is, it is advisable, if I can answer kind of indirectly, to target both ways, both cash flow and uh, what we call appreciation, yes. Mm -hmm. But maybe if you are starting, if you are starting, maybe let me underscore this, if you are starting, it's better to start with those that will give you a positive cash flow. Mm -hmm. Then you know that you are sorted on the cash flow. Then when you look for those that appreciate or give you both, then you know that the cash flow is not an issue anymore. Yes. Mm. Mm. Because it can be very discouraging when I buy apartment number one and I have to pay in 1,100. Apartment number two, I'm paying in 900. Then you don't see the value of being in property investing. In the shop, yes. That takes money mm. from you. And most of us just don't have that kind of disposable cash to yeah. find, to, you have financed this place, but you continue paying in yourself as well, right? Yeah. So it can yes. be very discouraging as a beginner to buy, to buy for appreciation. For appreciation, yes, yes. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm advising that at least if you uh, first time buy, try to target those that are giving you, if you can, the the um the positive um, okay. cash flow yes yeah I'm gonna ask a follow up question let me to show you things that people do um so here is someone who says well it's positive cash flowing that's what my most of my mentees do before they know how to deal analyze and yeah. they come with a cash flow and it cash flows two hundred and thirty rand. What mm. is a good cash flow in your sense? Would you say that's a good buy? Buy it. Yeah, totally 230 rand after you've paid your city of Joburg, you've paid insurance, you've put aside 5% for vacancy, and you've put aside the 8% for property management. Is 230 enough for you? How do you, Lungesani, decide what is good enough for you? Maybe we need to separate it. Even that 230 you are making an example of is on a targeted appreciation, I mean, appreciating, uh, I mean, if you are targeted and appreciating property. Yes. Then 230 is something because you know that your goal is appreciation. Yeah. While yeah. In, the process, in the process, you are not taking anything from your pocket. Yeah. Then 230 becomes variable. Yeah. Whereas if you bought in a low market value, 
where is low market value? We have got your 230 and no appreciation. Then it raises eyebrows. Then it's something to, it's, it's questionable. Hmm. Um, it's questionable unless we have got a lot of those 230s, about 10 of them <laughs> in that low market uh, area. Exactly. There is also something. Exactly. Exactly. Because we'll always increase the rent and so on. <clears throat> yeah. So let's bring it down to our listeners because someone who's listening to you, you are talking about low market. They don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about appreciation. Mlambe, when there are multiple of those 230, where exactly is this low market you're talking about? An example of a low market is where? Well, I'm not sure if, <laughs> if I should. I'm, I'm not going to mention the suburbs, for example. Uh, you can. Know that, uh, I, I <laughs> no, you can. You can, Pella. You, you are investing in a particular area. Someone who's sitting in Cape Town is not going to come to your yes. market in any case. But also, it's just an education of why yeah. does someone buy in Auckland Park as opposed to Dane Fen, as opposed to that's that's this podcast is about that. You are educating. Mm. We are educating as we tell the story. Okay, let, let me make an example of here in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. You, in places like um, Tefontein, for example, uh, Forest. Mm-hmm. Hill, in some cases, uh, the hill uh, are not uh, comparable to the further south or north, like Sentin and the Mondios, Glen Vistas of Johannesburg. Of course. So those, the Glen Vistas, Mondios, and so on, and the Sentins and so on of Johannesburg, mostly there is mostly for appreciation. Yeah. But uh, you've got a very good market for, for low market in, in places like Tefontaine and so on and the surroundings. Yeah. Hmm. That's where you got you get most uh, properties there uh, well under a million rent. Exactly. You know, and some of them are already uh, multi-tenanted. Yeah. And you find that you already make some good money there, but you know you won't have much of appreciation. You'll have much of the positive cash flow. Yes. Whereas in your Mondios, Winchesters, and Glen um, Vistas, Malbatins, and so on. There you may not have much of a positive, but if you break even and make that two thirds you're talking about, mm-hmm. you, are, you are still good exactly. because you are targeting appreciation there. So, so for the listener that's listening, that's really important to know your suburbs as well. I can't, I can't tell you where in Devon the equivalent of a Tafontaine is. For instance, Lambe Epria, yes, maybe that's yeah. that way it is. So you must know what your low market is. And you can compare Umuntu who is buying apartments in Umsanga, for instance, so that people know what they are buying into, because that's the other problem. People get excited. And when you bought Mlazi, for instance, you Mm. are not buying necessarily for lots of appreciation. No. Yes. You are buying for the cash flow and quick cash flow, and it Mm. comes in. And wherever you are sitting, if you are in PE and listening to us right now, you will know what you Emataki is not yeah. the same as whatever the seaside properties or something like mm. that, so that people know what they are buying. Yes. Because our mm. black people really, people talk this English of appreciation and leverage and cash flow, and we get lost in the process because then we mm. just say, Oh, 
then I'll never make money because they don't know what we are talking about when we say low market. Yeah. They don't yes. know what we mean when we say appreciation. And they think the next two years, maybe I'll sell it for two million. No, you're not buying for appreciation. So it you are not. Sure. Yeah, it's an equivalent yeah. of your umlaz. You made an example of umlaz in Deben. So your sweat was an equivalent of umlaz in Deben, for example. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Wow, like that would really hurt me if someone bought for appreciation in Soweto and then realized <laughs> a year later then, that like, the, the property isn't going to sell at double the price. Mm. And also, even in good areas, property appreciation takes time. Time, yeah. Takes time, so yes. People should know this. Yeah. Depending yeah. on the market in that particular year, for example, there are years yeah. when you don't have an appreciation at all. At all, right? Yeah. I mean, you were listening to, I was listening to a webinar during the week and people were talking and I was just like, hey, I know our market will never listen to this. And they're like, yeah. And then if I buy in an A class and this, 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 and then appreciation this, I'm like, whatever A class, B class, D class means to our people. Seriously, you've totally lost the black person there. I got no class. So it's very, very important when we speak about property investing, to either introduce people, talk their language, or speak about this big English elsewhere because, you know, it's yeah. important. It's mm, important. Mm. Yeah. This is why people believe that you can never go wrong with property. And I why know. people buy properties that will only get to be cash flow positive in another 10 years because of that mindset. Because people have said you will never go wrong and they've spoken this big English of appreciation. Uh. Appreciation. Now that you're saying that I was so sad, one of my properties that I bought, I could have done better. Well, I didn't, I, I bought it below the asking price, but mm -hmm. I could have bought it even far below the market value. Right. I was so sad. <laughs> I still have it, but it's okay. It's, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, if it, so if Umutani makes a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, very interested. How how many properties do you, well, you've told me this before when we met. It was like literally the first question I asked, guys. So you know when you meet me, like I go straight for the jugular. I am literally Ooh. one of those people that will be like, how much in your bank account? So how many properties do you have uh, right now in your portfolio? Currently, yeah. well, I would say 11, including my residential one and a small farm. <laughs> oh, nice. But obviously the deals, those, including those that I've bought and sold, the deals are more than that because I've bought some, sold some, and all these things, I mean. Oh, but I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying so my current portfolio. My, my current my current portfolio. And I regretted, hey, if I spoke about that, my heart bleeds. There's the one property that a good one I bought in Proteus, was it 2008? Yeah. I don't know why I sold that property. Wow. Because it would have been two times the value as I'm speaking now. I just don't know why I sold it. You I just should have sold kept it. that property. I should have kept it. You didn't need the money, you just decided to sell it. Even if I did, probably, but I should have thought better than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I should have thought for the future. Say that, hi man, let me keep this. And I, th I think I, th I think I had problems uh, mostly with tenants there, but I think it was a temporary problem. But yeah, I don't know. Why, I don't know why I took it as a permanent problem. Mm. Uh, mainly it was because <laughs> of that. I should have cleared the property because the properties it should have made hundred percent of the of the value then the property. Okay. I should have kept it. But anyway, it's so under under the bridge oh, now. Okay. We learned so by mistake. So when did you start employing a buy to hold strategy? Uh, a few years back. <laughs> so before then, you were buying and you were selling. What shifted? Well, 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 under depending on the circumstances, it was not the goal just to buy for for selling. It was depending on the circumstances because it was not flips. Now, if I buy to sell, it will be because I want to flip it. Yeah. Yes, if I do that today, or I realize that if I sell one or two, they will recycle the bonds of the other forever. So it's something like that. It will be a very worked, thoroughly worked out strategy if I do that now. Yes, yes. If there are no circumstances okay. that forces me to, mm -hmm. that will be a different yeah. story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So That's what did you get a mentor? Did you go to educational seminars? Uh, when did you realize that the buy to hold strategy is the way forth for you? And it's the way to retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I attended. Well, surprisingly, I, I already, if, if I had a personal mentor, I would have done much better than this, mm. 10 times better. That was one of my gaps. I should have had a mentor right from the beginning, but I never had. So it was kind of self-taught learning as I go. <clears throat> but uh, if you to answer a question directly, uh, I came across iGrow where I attended their webinars and all these. They will have um, not mentors, but the what they call the investment strategies that will help you. But uh, um, yeah, I don't think they did much also with me. I think they would have, if, if they did whatever they were supposed to do exactly, I would have done even much better, yeah. even now. So I think I think they, they, they've, they've, they've got a strategy that they call, is it triple R? Which is? Huh? Triple is R? R? Refinance, what is it? But one of them is refinance. Oh, I think but, it's but, like but on the whole. Buy, oh. refinance, repeat. They do the best strategy. Yeah. Yeah, something they like buy. that. I forgot the R exactly. Where, where they say you buy as much as you can, number one. Yeah. And um, you hold them. And you then at some point, sell some to circle. Yeah, resell them to to, to circle some. Then we've got okay. more of a, you increase the, 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 the positive cash flow there. Okay. So that's when I realized that your question, answer your question that, okay, I can buy, hold, and then see as the years go by, because that's how you build now your retirement strategy in the process. Okay. Okay. Mm. Wow. Very, very interesting. So. Yeah. You see the young ones now, those that are young from the university and so on, if I, on that point, if they would, even if uh, they will buy properties that will, they will pay in 20 years. If you buy a property at 25, for example, or 20, they're yeah. only attaining 40 or 45, it's paid up. Yes. Imagine if you buy a few of them. You can already retire if you want to, for argument's sake. 
You see, yeah, <laughs> we started late, some of us, so we didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. You see. Well, I wish I had started. We would have started much earlier. Even like five years earlier for me, like it would have been just, I would have been set for life. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, some of those mistakes that we do, but, uh, we learn by them. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, Sani, yeah. would you say in your journey, in your property investment journey, you had a whole tribe or you found the tribe later on in your investment portfolio and you helped by others to increase your portfolio? If so, who helped you? Um, you see, because uh, that was given, for example, that you should have your conveyors, your agents in the process, <laughs> and so on. It was not deliberate then for me. No. I think it's only now that one. Th- it was not deliberate. It's only now that one thing that is is good to have your those uh, those kinds deliberately. Then you have got your pool of them. That you work with them on a daily basis, also, then we are better off than uh, yes. Mm. Okay, all right, all righty. Yeah. Then wow. I don't know about you. I am. We can I'm definitely. I'm good. I am so good. Thank okay. you so much, Sunny. No thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. We don't need you for the next segment of the show for the next. (laughs) (laughs) On to the next segment of our show, magical feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. Okay, so guys, uh, magical feedback. I'm letting Nisa start us off as usual. I like it. I like it. Okay. So I'm going to choose a feedback that is unlike me. Um, Lungisani was chastising himself about selling a property that is in Protea. Protea is a township, is a suburb inside of Soweto, right? Mm. And he says he had tenant problems at that property. And he upped and decided to sell that property. And today, when he looks at properties on the same street, he could have made 100% profit, exactly the amount of money. And he sold a property on an issue that is a temporary issue. Mm. And he made it a permanent problem. And he thought his solution was to sell a whole property because of a rogue tenant. Yeah, so... You like, too powerful, Mizo. Yeah. problem that we turn into a permanent problem. Yeah. And the reason why I speak about it is because most people are fearful of property investing because what they tend to do is ask me, so what happens when I have a rogue tenant? Mm. It is in the many properties that he has, he has got over 11. He has made more than 18 deals in all the 18 years of, of mm-hmm. buying properties. He only had one room tenant, but yeah. he made it into a pro- permanent problem. And mm-hmm. that made him sell a whole property and sure. lose out on the appreciation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Protea, I must just mention to you, Protea, Protea Glen, 
are those areas where there are lots of multi-leds. And so mm. it's beautifully built multi-leds, totally beautiful bachelor units that, 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 that really dignify our people. So it's a very, very good place to invest in. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah. I like that takeaway, actually. Such a powerful takeaway. Um, my first takeaway is what he mentioned about um, economies. When economies go bad, the first thing that you lose in terms of everything, the things that you start losing value on is pension funds, it's your stocks, it's the stock market. And it is quite powerful what he said. It is true. When there are wars and all sorts of things and uh, political instabilities in most countries, the things that most people can hold on to is land and property and gold. And right? So what, what he said is so, so powerful. And of course, art and all those other things come into play. Yeah, so yeah. he talks about this is why property is such a powerful retirement strategy um yeah it's a powerful it is is. you have in your portfolio for retirement so for me i feel like even if you're not fully about property but just having like a few properties here and there just to diversify your portfolio maybe something to consider because we don't know what the political landscape on a global scale looks like none of us could have predicted COVID I remember Lisa saying last year that some of her retirement annuities and pension funds had lost like what 10 percent 27 percent 27 percent that is 30 percent and you do not have the number of years that i've had working to recover that something magical has to happen for me to recover oh, can you imagine 27 imagine? so that is something so just we weren't taught about diversified portfolios for retirement. But now on this podcast, let us have this conversation that yes, you've now got your retirement annuity, you've got your pension fund, but also add property or add minerals, add your gold, add your platinum, add your art. If you're an art collector, add things that are tangible in the You know? So just... Very, very powerful that he mentioned that. That is such a powerful, yeah, we, we had him. We had him. I had it as a takeaway as well. And he made a good example of the Zimbabwe market when, yeah, when it crashed. He said me, hey, like that. Yeah. Actually, I feel like that drove it home for me. It did. Yeah. Gosh, it hit differently. Um, so let listen to this. I, I just mentioned when we did the intro that, um, Lumisani has got a mixed portfolio from farm to Airbnb uh, to a bed and breakfast to apartments and multi lets right? Yeah. And listen to what he says. Even though he started um, investing in 2002, he says, if I had had a mentor mm. and a mentor that worked, because he did try a mentorship, but yeah. that didn't work for him. It didn't speak to him. If yeah. I had had a mentor... I would have done t- 10 times better than I have. Mm, mm, mm. Because with a mentor, really, the stuff that you think you have to think up yourself, the mentor opens your eyes to it to say, mm. no, actually, 
ah, you can get reach this person and reach that person. No, actually find equity here and there. Don't wait for the bank. Do this, do that. And that's what that's what mentors have done for me. They they accelerate my thinking in even the way that I think about my business, right? Even in this property mentorship business, I still listen to other people because the yeah. way they put things really, really opens your eyes mm. differently. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so, so powerful, Nizo. Right. Um, mm. My second takeaway is what he said, the banks do not want to repossess property. They don't. They lose money, yeah. right? So actually that, that has me, that for me, especially in the time of COVID, is something that's really, really powerful. Is that if you can find a way to work with the banks, go work with them, you yeah. know, find another way. If your property is um, negative cash flowing, then find a way and you're not able to make it work. You're not able to pay the rent, etc. I remember listening to Bigger Pockets. I was listening to Brandon on Instagram. Mm. And like one of the things that he was saying was that in these times, it's not about having a good deal. It's asking, how can I make this? I deal? make the deal good. Right? Yes. So if yes. you are finding yourself in that process and your bank is willing to work with you, rather spend some of the time trying to figure out how do I make this deal good? Maybe right. you need to reach out to uh, people here, post in the Wealthy Money Facebook group and go post and say, I've got this property. It's negative cash flowing, but I feel like if I can get someone to partner with, and we can do this, turn it into a multi-let like this, like this, we, it may become a positive cash flowing deal. So there are many ways, I think, to start making deals good, even if you started off badly, as Lumisani said. So I like that, that the banks don't want to repossess money, uh, don't want to repossess property. So that means that you do have some kind of leverage, especially now, because I know like a lot of people are freaking out with their properties and with their investments. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. And banks, banks grow their book, their loan book. That's what they are looking at. That's what they are looking at. So um, know that they are not really looking at, at, at taking your property. I'm so conflicted about this one. Hmm. Okay, let's let's do this one because I'm a beginner mentor, right? Yeah. So as a beginner, start by buying for cash flow. Mm. There's something about when you are starting to lose weight, right? The first month, you do really want to see that weight loss. And most people will lose four kilograms all at one go, right? And then it starts being 0 0.5, one kilogram and whatever, right? Property investing is the same because it's a long-term goal mm -hmm. and it's a long-term business. It's not something that you can just see money popping like that. Your first deal needs to be something that really, really makes you want to do this, especially for some of us who were not shown the ropes at home about how to buy property. Yeah. So buy for cash flow. Don't start with appreciation. It, 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 it may just discourage you on the path. I really like that. Mm, I really, really well, right? So yeah. my final um, feedback is yeah. 
what he said about um, always, he kept reiterating that his biggest mistake was not negotiating and not buying below market value, right? I think this is so powerful. I, I feel like we are a nation, like having lived in um, Asia, like negotiation is such a common thing, even at the marketplace. I know. <laughs> my MBA program, and there was this girl in it, Khadija, from um, way from Kenya, and we had to, we had a negotiation class in my MBA yeah. program. Lessons. One of our courses was negotiation. Right. Right. I it, guys. Like I truly really saturated because I didn't know how to negotiate because we don't negotiate in the no. street we don't we don't do this normal like you know all these things and this girl from Kenya so this is in the U.S. she shocked all of us she was like there and she was able to negotiate for everything and she was able to explain why this has to be priced differently all these things I remember just being lost and that's because also on a cultural level, we often you're given, you come into a store, you take the price that you're given. Yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. negotiate for our electronics. We come, we take. So that means, so sometimes it limits us in some ways, but in obviously ways. it's beautiful because I know what I paid for a TV, you've paid for a TV. But yeah. then it's like, I have never flexed my negotiation muscle. Muscle. And to bigger things like property most of us will just offer that we're like oh i can only go at this price but then we don't know how to go back and forth with negotiation until we get the price that we want and i think that yeah. practice makes perfect i'm getting better yeah. You know? yeah and with property whatever asking price yeah and that's why i'm a property mentor to say so for me you can imagine my shop because I'm the same. I'm an impatient shopper. I'm an impulsive shopper. So on the day that I'm buying, I'm buying. And then there are days where I walk from shop to shop where I don't buy. And then there are months like now where I don't go to shops, period. I only go to shops to buy food, right? So because I'm an impatient buyer, I'm afraid that's how I used to buy property as well. So when I tell my mentees now, I tell them about my own faults, not only that, to say the asking price is not your final price. So yeah. when you are doing deal analysis, you put it in brackets, asking price, and then you deal analyze, and then you go back to the price again to say, am I wanting to pay the asking price or am mm-hmm. I wanting to buy less, right? So that's such an incredible um, takeaway. Then. Mm-hmm. We learned some. It yeah. was an enjoyable one, and I really, really like how how Lumisani has been so organic about his about his journey. Yeah. He he shares very generously about it. And just so open about the mistakes that he made, right yes. along the way. I think what one of the things that definitely came through is exactly what you talk about, which is that you don't know what you don't know, and then like mm-hmm. without a mentor, how was he? How was he to know that? you can hold on to that property in Pratia and like you can fix a temporary problem. Like yeah. a tenant is not a reason to sell. And- to sell a whole property. How? But I think that many people are sitting here listening to this and are done. I can imagine like even now during COVID, yeah. people are like, these tenants are not paying. I, I can't. 
<laughs> like I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. yeah, we've just managed to to evict um two two tenants from one of my mentees' properties. So ah proud. yeah, I know which mentee she sent me yeah. on. <laughs> like, but also she's ready. She's ready for expansion. So yeah. all her stuff are happening because she's so ready for expansion. She's taking a business seriously. So the yeah. business is actually talking back. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm just seeing a change of mindset as well. Yes. Right. Yeah, she's in my mastermind. She's in the next level new mastermind. Yeah. The mind <laughs> has changed. Mastermind. She's amazing. Yeah. So she shared this morning we were celebrating her. Yo, this business, guys, it's very, very real. So that being said, let's move on to the next segment of the show. Segment of the show. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. Okay, so we're in the next segment of the show. And as usual, Mizo is going to start us off with magical Absolutely. Lungesani, please share with us a book that changed your life. It can be a property book, sure, but a business book, any other book, even if it's a story book that you think impacted on your life. It was a cash flow quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> really? But it came yeah. later, later after you had started your property journey. Why, why was it so impactful? No, uh, you are right, because I I grew up as that type of person that wanted to save. I mean, so my mind was already tuned like that. If, <laughs> oh. if you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. Accountants just naturally and like, what did the cash do you think? <laughs> <laughs> like, most a- accountants are already attuned to saving. Maybe this is why I hated accounting because I was still I still needed to go into my debt spiral to cope. And at school, at, at school, they used to laugh at us when we do when we used to do accounting. They would say, "You guys, accounting money that you'll never have." <laughs> <laughs> wow! So what inspired? So why did why is the why is the cash flow quadrant important? I in. in speaking about the saving someone else who's listening hasn't read it why why are you speaking about that and then speak about saving what's the connection no i was just interested because it categorizes um, the different types of people the businessmen your your self-employed your employed and uh, the uh, uh, those well there are four quadrants it's a self-employed business and so on I, i'm not gonna the investor the investor investor, investor yes so this guy, Robert, speaks um, somewhere down the line about property and everything there. Mm-hmm. So it's an education that uh, if you follow it, it already opens your mind. Then you can position yourself and uh, because you should be, be able to identify your quadrant. Which quadrant? Uh, that's, yes. Once you identify it, then you learn according to that corner or that quadrant uh, where you are. Yeah. If you want to shift, you can shift. Whatever the case is, depending on the uh, the case is depending on the circumstances. But then mm-hmm. you educate yourself according to the quadrant where, that you have identified. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm. I think that's such um, that's such a powerful um, book. It's actually one of my favorite. Robert it is. 
I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. These are no, I'm always like cash flow quadrant is the one because of that. Because I also could identify that no, I'm very much an entrepreneur. And then he teaches you if you are there, how do you move into the investment mindset? You know, because I think that people that are entrepreneurs, we can just start things and start things and keep putting money into various projects and things. But then reading Cash Flow Quadrant, I started to think like, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> I need to also figure out how do I create passive income because mm. that's the investment quadrant. And I, I like him yeah. really much. Robert Kiyosaka, I like him. The, the way he speaks, the way he educates, and I just like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He will say, he's, 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 but he's sometimes controversial. He will say you won't get this education from school. <laughs> It's true, though. But that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, what kind of education is save and get into a mortgage and stay for 20 years before you move on to the next one? And you know you'll what? never go on holiday before. You go on holiday once. Don't forget, you take a holiday once, uh, once a year. So maybe one week yeah. or two weeks in a year, and then you budget accordingly, but you work for 20 years for someone. This is what the school system was created to get more people to be worker bees. You know, <laughs> not like I don't like it at all. The school system is not meant to free us in all honesty. It's meant uh, to keep us in this particular rat race, you know? So they keep churning yes, out. The like, yeah, that's, that's, part, of, that's, that's part of his argument. That's, that's part of uh, Robert's argument. I believe it. Me, I, I have bought you to that. <laughs> <laughs> out of the career um, lifestyle from a very young age. Why, when I graduated, I was like, I'm not doing this. Because I could see it. Because I was like, yo, you start, they churn us out of university at 21. And then you work until you're 65, mm. 44 years, 44 to 45 years of your life. Mm. When am I supposed to live? Exactly when is living happening? You and know? go on holidays as you as, as for as much as you uh, as often as you like, and so. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I'm gonna create a life that is a constant holiday. <laughs> that's always been my strategy in life i'm like i'm just gonna go live a life that is a constant holiday because and enjoy the fruits of your labor <laughs> yep yeah. okay so back to the next question wow this question is really defeating us today but <laughs> what keeps you inspired lungisani well on the i'm gonna be more specific on the property journey knowing that um uh, keeping the property is better than keeping physical cash in the bank because uh, the physical cash in the bank won't beat the inflation as much as it's supposed to, but property will. That's okay. what it inspires me. Okay. Okay. So you'd rather be like um, no cash in the bank, but you have a property, something tangible. Something tangible. Because you know, I've got equity, I've got appreciation, and all this positive, positive cash flow. Yes, I love that. Which means, which means, as much that. as you can buy property, so, still increase your portfolio as much as you can. Yeah, that's Absolutely. part of the point I'm making. Yeah. 
Okay. What do you wish you had known or done before embarking on your property investment journey? Are the things that you think, oh man, they should have told me in the year 2000 about this? Trying to buy the property below market value. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. No offense to everyone listening, but I thought this was like a thing that everybody knew from like the ah. time speaking. Guys, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Even me That's with true. my over-indebted self writing from creditors knew that if you buy property, you must buy it below market value. Uh, below market value. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well I, I'm a negotiator. Uh, uh, by nature myself, I negotiate on anything. But then I think it was not deliberate to to say that, um, let's make sure, let me make sure that I always buy the property below market value. Remember I said, those that I didn't view, I would have done better on them by negotiating. For example, especially if I had viewed them before, yes. So I was linking that indirectly with that. Yeah, okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um what do you still think you need to learn in property? In property, um how do I put it? I think you mentioned something in passing. In my property company, what I still want to do is to put together a bunch of private investors that I can do deals with without necessarily going to the bank because I've got very lucrative deals, for example, in the pipeline that um, I feel if I can have private investors that can be put together in a certain model without necessarily approaching the bank all the time. If putting them together, putting them together, if somebody can assist me that I'll be somewhere. Mm. Maybe so, you. Yeah, so so forming an equity an equity fund somewhere, mm. an equity fund where these can be acquired for cash. I like I like what you're saying, Lumisa. I you like say, yes. Property Magicians is bringing you guys something really yummy. It will uh, one day, it will soon be us in a few months. Don't you worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you must. I'll be very happy. Others. I'll be very happy. Yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. We're serious. I'm giving you homework. I'm giving you homework already. I'm giving you some homework already. Homework noted. <laughs> homework noted. And you sure to believe us. I hope so. We don't yeah. we don't just talk about it, eh? We do. Yeah. It's we don't lie, by the way. in the process of doing, eh? That would be so, so good. It would be cool. so good. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay, what was your intention? Oh, no, this is uh, Mizo's question. I jumped. So, okay. So what (laughs) what property resource would you like to share with our listeners? Is there a podcast or a YouTube that you, maybe you've mentioned it before, you can just repeat that you would like to, our listeners to go to so that people can get it can educate themselves about that big English of leverage and appreciation? <laughs> um, I would just Is say any webinar that invites them to 
property education. Mm, it, yeah. it can be biz house, can be M5, it can be the property coach or the property magicians. Yeah. They must just attend it to, to that. Attend it. Yeah. yeah. Any invitation yeah. about property education, they must not lose it. Even now, that's what I do. I see an invite, then I diarize it, I attend that webinar. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I like what yes. you're saying because and we learn differently from different people. You know, there are people who are not Kiyosaki people at all. Hey? Some people can hear mm. him, right? Mm. There are people who can listen to this podcast. They say it's too long, right? Yeah. Okay. And you'll always find your person. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there's always your person. There's, um, there's, there's, there's one of our listeners who says, oh my God, thank God for your podcast. I couldn't stand those American voices. And yeah. for him, it, it's in the granular, how we say the language of two room and garage. So some, some different people are looking for different things and find yeah. your person, yeah. find the platform that works for you. And, and stick and stay with the education. I really like that. Yes, mm. exactly. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. Mm. So, so, so powerful. And so um, what was your intention when you came to this podcast? What were you hoping to gain? Are you looking for investors that have excess cash to put into deals? What? Are you looking to connect with people? And how can people... Exposure. Yeah, exposure, number one. Number two, what you just said, investors that we can do deals with and so on, then we grow together. That would be Absolutely. fantastic. Yeah, yes. Yeah. If I can achieve that, I'll go somewhere. And how can people yeah. reach me? People reach me. <laughs> they can reach me through you for now. <laughs> what, what do you want me to give right. for people to... <laughs> Okay, it can be an email that they can reach you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An email, okay? Yeah, I can give my email address. Okay. Uh, gmail.com. L-U-N-G-I-S-A-N-I dot X-H-A-K-A-Z-A at gmail.com. Okay. Okay. Do you want people to WhatsApp you if they've got like excess cash to put into deals and they want to partner with you? Yeah, they can also do that. Okay. So do you have a WhatsApp or are you just okay with email? You don't have to give us a WhatsApp if you don't want to. If I don't want to. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe they, how, how, how do you, you can advise me. I don't know. <laughs> what no, do you think? People usually give Right, because they want exposure, and our uh, listeners are actual investors or beginner investors, so uh, they're not gonna just spam you, they come with very specific requests. Oh, I see, and then I can give you my WhatsApp number okay. um, 082 5979. Five nine. So, for so an article just said now, Yeah, for I was saying such an important thing because you know, at any one time, someone is wanting to invest. They are sitting very fearful with their hundred thousand. Uh, You've got a deal. 
I was stuck. And I've got quite a number. And they're lined up quite a number. You've got quite a number of deals. All of them lined up. Lined, lucrative, lined up. They just need cash. I was just saying. So you've got a deal. Hmm. Number two, you know that it's lucrative. Number hmm. three, you've been in the business for over 18 years. So hmm. you've done the deal analysis. Some people yes. just have money, no knowledge. Yes. And that is where the partnership comes through because somebody has got time to analyze and they've got a deal. Somebody just yes. has cash, no yeah. knowledge, never hmm. analyzed. And that's hmm. where the meeting of minds comes together and rest assured on this podcast you are being listened to this by by brown people who are ready they are mm. either ready with money or they are ready with a deal themselves and they don't know what they don't know so that's that's very very important but thank you that's so much for your... message Mizo. yeah, yeah. We, we really underestimate the power of our partnerships and so many people that i not personally the ones that i know they just have equity and they will talk about capital and they are scared they talk about their fears and then they just sit there paralyzed totally mm-hmm. they'll never do mm-hmm. a deal yeah okay yeah yeah definitely yeah. you know how to talk the talk but it's the action and having a partner like you the action yeah. take away some of the fears because then they know that at least there's someone that knows what they're doing, right? Yeah. Who, who has traveled? Who, who has traveled on this journey? Get into the market. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. That's true. So, Lungi you've been so gracious. Thank you so much for your knowledge and your time. Thank yeah. you so much, Mizo. And of course, Property Magicians, thank you for your continued support. We're very, very grateful. Thank you. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangile Makwakwa and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as Vangile Makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at miranda at wealthy-money.com 
again, inbox me at miranda at wealthymoney.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.